0: Hello and welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seahawks are coming off their bye and they're playing the Green Bay Packers who are coming off a 13-7, a disappointing loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. And they're going to Green Bay, a place where they have not won. The Seahawks have not won in Green Bay since 1999, the very first year of Mike Holmgren's tenure in Seattle. So, I know, as Seahawks fans, we're we're hoping that the the curse of Mike Holmgren in Green Bay uh, can end this weekend. Here to talk about it is Justice Mosqueda of the Acme Packing Company, the Packers community on SB Nation. Justice, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, you're telling me it was disappointing. I had to sit through the whole damn thing. I don't know if you watched it, but (laughs) I did. I did, and
0: I'm I'm curious. Well, I want to talk about Odell Beckham because I feel like that's the big news of Tuesday. But let's start with the game against the Chiefs because, yeah, disappointing is probably putting it lightly. I'm curious, though, where Packers fans are. Do you put it solely on special teams after a a missed field goal, a blocked field goal, a, a punt that went off a dude's foot and set up the Chiefs in prime position? Luckily, they held them only to a field goal, which really kept... The Packers in that game but do you solely put it on special teams
1: not solely but you know whenever you have two bad snaps you know snap hold operations two muff punts um, I'm trying to think of what else they had 10 guys on the field one time they ended the first half with an uh, illegal formation on kickoff return that was just like ending the half it was like two seconds left Um, that's never a good sign right so
0: that kind of when when that many things go wrong you kind of have to feel like maybe it's a coaching issue
1: yeah and you know Lafleur said on monday and i don't think he, he made any friends by doing this but he was like yeah i asked the special teams coach i was like paul amari and he wouldn't he wouldn't let him amari's the the punt returner third round rookie out of uh clemson he doesn't really play on offense he's just kind of there to return punts and he was like pull him put in someone else and he was like nope maurice Strayton, who uh is the special teams coach was adamant no keep him in and he got a 15 yard return but he he made it sound like a nice story where it, it's like a redemption arc but i think packers fans hear that and they're like all right so he had three returns two of them were muffed and one was for 15 yards we want more out of three returns than that he's been struggling all year too i mean sometimes there's balls that it's it's kind of hard to quantify right like okay he fair catches balls that he can like be returning right like how, how that doesn't show up on a stat sheet so it's like very difficult to kind of explain that to people but if you watch the games and you watch him return punts he's very frustrating and I actually kind of think like he's the next guy on the chopping block you know to your point if Odell Beckham Jr. does sign with the Green Bay Packers like they, they're not going to roster eight wide receivers and Amari doesn't really play offense and his only job has been returned at punts and he's not doing a great job at that so I don't know what you do with the third round rookie who's not really contributing that much but the Packers seem like they're all in on like competitive we're trying to figure this thing out like if you can't get on the field get off the pot type of situation like we saw that with Jalen Smith they brought him in they said all right this doesn't work you're out of here so I I I do wonder if you know someone drops like a dumbbell on his foot or something like that and they they end up putting him on IR or something
0: you know I'm, I'm surprised though to hear about Amari Rogers struggling because he was a guy that I know that the Seahawks were looking at John Schneider even referenced him uh, in the in the post-draft commentary, you know, they go out and get Dwayne Eskridge. They they wanted a receiver in that type of mold. They get Dwayne Eskridge. Rogers falls to the third round. Rondale Moore goes to the Arizona Cardinals and may have been another guy that the Seahawks were looking at. But uh, he was a guy that I, I kind of had high expectations for considering his special teams ability and uh, and I mean, just how he looked in college.
1: Yeah, he was supposed to be kind of like that all around guy, right? Like, yeah, I, I think part of it, too, is the fact that. Randall Cobb was traded for and Randall Cobb basically does everything that you want Amari to develop into already. And that, that makes it tough in and of itself. Um, The other thing too, is green Bay has so many redundancies at wide receiver because they try to run those screens to, you know, Devonta Adams and stuff. They need big guys who are essentially, you know, offensive linemen on the perimeter um, ready to block for them. Like you look at guys like uh, Marquez, Valdez Scanling, you know, Alan Lazard, uh, Equinamia, St. Brown, even like they're, they're big body receivers, uh, Malik Taylor, who, you know, it's like their punt gunner and stuff. He's not in on offense that much, but just redundancies at that wide receiver position in terms of size, like Randall Cobb comes in on third down and that's basically it. So that's kind of like what has kind of limited their role where, you know, if you want to feed Devonte Adams on, on screens and, you know, RPOs and stuff like that, you know, Package plays where he's just on the backside of the run under center. Rodgers sees off coverage. He can just dump it out, you know, to the sideline real quick. It's kind of tough for Amari's game, especially, like, as he's developing as basically Randall Cobb's backup to kind of get on the field. But, you know, he was tabbed as, you know, a guy who can return kicks, return punts, can play in the slot. Um, you can get him on, like, jet motion and stuff like that. They just haven't necessarily kind of played offense in a way that is kind of, like, good for his skill set, I would think.
0: Well, and the one guy they were concentrating on more with his development was Jordan Love in that game against the Chiefs. And you have an article up at Acme Packing Company uh, kind of taking a look at that first game by Love. And I, I, what are your thoughts on how the rookie, did well, not the rookie, the second year player in his first NFL start?
1: Well, I mean, he almost kind of is a rookie, you know, with the with the weird season last year. He wasn't even active for games. Remember, like he, he was a healthy scratch. Every single week, Tim Boyle was getting the QB2 snaps. So he really wasn't getting any snaps other than, you know, this summer, um, you know, when Aaron Rodgers was holding out and stuff like that. But those aren't live reps. It it was weird to kind of see the offense just sputter in the way that they did where Kansas City's bringing pressure all the time. I mean, they sent six or seven guys like 50% of the time, and the the Packers just couldn't stop it because what ended up happening was their answer was basically, okay, if you blitz us, we're throwing shot plays because that's what we do with Aaron Rodgers. Right. And then we complete a shot play, and then you get out of blitzing. Well, Jordan Love wasn't completing those passes. So it's just over and over again, and it felt like a nightmare for the kid. It, it wasn't until probably the midway through the third quarter where they decided, oh, yeah, like we can run zone against these blitzes. We can uh, throw quick game. We can do RPOs, and that's how they were able to move down the field. I mean, they ran an a inside zone for a first down on third and six on that scoring drive that they had, the only one that they had of the game. Um, But it just seemed like, one, Love wasn't ready. Two, the coaching staff put them in a bad spot in terms of the game plan coming into the game. And then three, they didn't adapt to it.
0: Well, it sounds like it because you have to expect that a young player going in, especially a defense like the Chiefs, it's not that strong of a defense that they're going to maybe take some risks and just send the house at him and see what
1: he does. Yeah, and that's kind of what Spagnolo is kind of known for, anyway. You know what I mean? Like Spags, Spags might not have good players, but he he's going to confuse the hell out of a rookie quarterback if you give it a chance to. And they they let him get to him. The the other thing too, I mean, if we're going to be talking about this upcoming game, you know, uh, Jordan Love isn't going to be playing probably uh, based off of kind of how Aaron Rodgers talked about stuff talked about it with uh, Pat McAfee, but. The the guy to watch out for on the offensive line is Royce Newman, their their right guard. He's a fourth-round pick uh, rookie. Looked really good in the preseason. He's kind of a guy who, like, big on big, he's going to look great. Like, I'm sure, you know, all those uh, offseason workouts, like, he looked like an all-star. The problem is, once you start throwing stunts at him, like, anyone crosses his face, guys move post-snap, that's when it becomes trouble, and I kind of think the book is out there. Like, Kansas City was attacking him. Over and over again. And mm-hmm. he was kind of a guy who's been struggling at that all season. The The difference is, you know, Aaron Rodgers knows how to get the ball out pretty right. quick. And they, they weren't really relying on their passing game in that way. Like Rodgers hasn't really actually thrown that many passes. But Newman, I mean, he's kind of like the marked man up front for all the uh, offensive line changes that they've had this season.
0: You know, it's curious. You bring up Aaron Rodgers and and the idea that he is he sounds like he's pretty much set that he's going to be playing. What's your understanding? Because I'm kind of confused on this based on what I'm hearing in terms of testing, because I know the Seahawks, they had a player who tested positive for covid, who was vaccinated, and he had to have two negative tests before he could come back, although it wasn't just two negative tests. There there was like some threshold involved, and even though he had two negative tests, he ended up not making it back in time for the Rams game. But then I've heard with Rodgers that all he has to do is not show symptoms, but he's got to have two negative tests too, right?
1: Yeah. the The thing is, those negative tests don't have to come after he is like allowed uh, to enter the facility. So, like those tests okay. can start like right now. So you it's know what a I mean? ten
0: day minimum. He could right. te- and he could do two negative tests it just like Thursday, Friday. And then once the 10 days passes, then he's good to go.
1: Yep. The 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 big hurdles are, like you mentioned, asymptomatic symptoms, right? So not not showing anything that way. And then the other thing that he mentioned today was a uh, basically like a cardiac test, um, uh, some sort of like. Let's get this guy moving. Let's get him sweating. Like mm. making sure that his heart's in right in a, in a good spot. Um, it seems like those are the two hurdles, and those are the things that would potentially keep him out of this game. But it doesn't seem like he or uh, Matt Lafleur necessarily think that they're going to be. He's going to be out. Lafleur already said on Monday when the team got back that he he didn't think Rodgers was a guy who needed a whole week of practice to get ready for the game. So it sounds like if he is good to go on Saturday, they're going to try to ramp it up and maybe it's maybe it would be a different situation if this game were on the road or something like that. But it being in Lambeau and Rogers, because he's unvaccinated, not being able to basically leave the city of Green Bay, um, you know, that that probably kind of helps a little bit in terms of just being able to ramp up quick at home versus, you know, taking a, you know, a red eye flight at night and then having to work out Sunday morning just to be able to Get ready to play.
0: Yeah. Although, you know, finding a private jet for Aaron Rodgers to uh, make it to a game probably wouldn't be all that difficult either.
1: Yeah, uh, co- probably cost less than the fine that he just paid.
0: He had a nice fine that he's paying. Uh, the Packers got fined 300000 Although, you know, Aaron Rodgers getting fined 14000 for for uh, attending that Halloween party uh, along with Alan Lazard. I, that's like two DK Metcalf hugs on a goalpost.
1: I saw I saw someone said uh, CD Lamb got fined more for having an untucked shirt than than, than Rogers did. They, they didn't find him for uh, the press conferences either, which I thought was interesting, but I think that's kind of the league saying, like, they weren't in a position to find everyone league-wide for that, right? Because uh, guys like Kirk Cousins right. have been doing the same type of thing. There was a running back for the Chicago Bears who had the same type of situation. I forget which one it was, but it, it was kind of a thing where, the league wasn't really enforcing it hard. So I think now it's like uh, party's over, right? Like ev- everyone has to start paying attention now because, you know, the media is paying attention to it, essentially, like you squeak, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil and all that.
0: Yeah, I, I think with Minnesota, there was some kind of understanding between the reporters and cousins. Like they knew that he was unvaccinated. Right. So, they're... And
1: that's a whole other thing where, you know, the beat writers in Green Bay, you look at them reacting to, uh, the reports that Rodgers was unvaccinated, which was broken by, you know, NFL Network. And they were surprised because he said, you know, I've been immunized. So he, they just assumed, OK, that means vaccinated. Right. And I mean, if if someone would have told you that you would assume the same thing, well, especially
0: you know. when it's a direct question of are you vaccinated and you say, yes, I'm immunized. Uh, it's it's a exactly. little curious that he decided to change the wording. Obviously, I think we're finding out now the reason why you didn't want to have to go through all the the pressure of Uh, of everything coming down on him but now he's having to deal with that and i what do you think about this though do you think that's going to is it going to fuel him for this game coming up or is it going to be some kind of a burden that that's going to weigh on him in some way going into this game
1: no i think all this stuff fuels him honestly like people were asking me after the news broke you know hey is rogers gonna you know apologize and like be just be apologetic, right? And I'm like, do you guys know who Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is? Like, he's going to come out, gun, you know, guns ablazing, mad at everyone, swinging, and sure, sure as crap, like, on Friday, he just pops up on, on the McAfee show, and it's basically a 46-minute rant where he's just telling everyone how mad he is about everything, how the rules are dr- draconian, all that stuff. And then, you know, today was a little bit of a different tone, but I think it's because of, all the backlash, you know, that he faced and all that. So he did say that, you know, he apologized for, you know, if he'd misled people, I only can assume that he's talking about the immunized quote and, you know, talking about, you know, to the reporters and stuff like that. And maybe that's the league tapping him on the shoulder and saying, Hey, you got to say, sorry, or we're going to find you for it. So yeah, it was about as close
0: to contrition that I think you will get from Rogers saying that he would understand why people, felt they were misled right
1: yeah so he said he said that and then was like yeah i'm not sorry about anything else just that and then was like i don't want to talk about it anymore so hopefully hopefully i mean as a packers fan hopefully this is the end of it because i don't want to cover this i want to you know go back to watching football and stuff
0: yes we are here to talk about football and i want to do more of that so let's get to it right after the break Joining me on the show today is Justice Mosqueda of the Acme Packing Company, Packers Community on SB Nation, and we have a game coming up. I touched on the history a little bit before about the Seahawks not getting a win since 1999. What's going on here? Do you have any sense that you can make of this? Russell Wilson is a pretty good quarterback, but I suppose Aaron Rodgers is too. Is it just this environment that the that Seahawks teams can't get over whenever they go to Green
1: Bay? I th- I think it's just randomness, right? And then we fill in the gaps. I know everyone. It can't the be Packers random, fans-
0: justice. Uh, there's a curse that was left behind from uh, from Mike Holmgren from switching to the Packers to the Seahawks, and he get he he sold his soul. They got the one win uh, his first season. That that's that's how I attribute
1: it. Look, if there is a curse, I'm happy there's a curse, and may- <laughs> maybe this is the game that can convince me, but. Every Packers fan seems to think like, "Oh, Russell Wilson's coming to Green Bay. We don't have to worry about it." I'm like, Russell Wilson is a great quarterback. I don't, I don't understand why you guys think just because a couple of times he threw, you know, a pair of interceptions that he can't play football in this stadium like it's the boogeyman or something like that. He I, played in Wisconsin. I don't think that's the case. I exactly like he's played in the state. It's not, I, I, no one has been able to logically explain that to me. But the stats have been bad recently. Uh, I will say, you know, Russell Wilson has struggled against this Green Bay Packers defense before, but like schematically they're very different than they were before, right? Like Dom Capers was his own thing, and then Mike Penton was still kind of like, like blitz-heavy type of guy. The Packers, for the most part right now, just basically play coverage until like they're down. They're not doing all that fire zone stuff where B.J. Raji is dropping from nose tackle into into the flat or anything like that. They're not playing that type of football anymore.
0: Well, and the thing that has me concerned is that the way they play defense against Patrick Mahomes is kind of the way that we saw. It was kind of the blueprint that defenses used against the Seahawks last season. You know, two deep safeties and just, you know, try and cover everything and, you know, force teams to run the ball against you. And and we saw that a little bit from the Chiefs, that they were that they were patient enough to do that in certain situations. And I I felt like that's where they. Had some of their success in their drives where they where they were able to run the football well, but there, there wasn't a whole lot of success. It was they only scored thirteen points against the defense.
1: Yeah, and uh, again, two of those were very short drives. Right, one of them was a four yard drive for a field goal. One one, one was a twenty five yard drive for a field goal. Uh, I kind of think that this is not even necessarily like how the Packers play or what the Seahawks face. This is just kind of the NFL now. Like the quarterbacks have gotten so good. Teams are now just selling out to stop the pass, and they're saying, all right, be patient enough. And then, you know, one, once you fall behind, if you do make a mistake, you happen to make a mistake, then now you're having a pass against a too high shell, right? right. They, they just sit in it. And Green Bay's gotten this a lot, too. I mean, the New Orleans game, that loss is basically attributed to New Orleans coming out saying, we're playing you and two man, and we're going to double cover everything. We're going to double cover absolutely everything. And by the time Green Bay was able to get the ball back and and realize and adjust, it was already too late. They were up by too many scores. We saw that, you know, San Francisco, Detroit, all these teams are coming out and basically playing Green Bay in the same type of way, too. So I kind of wonder if this is just kind of the league. But w- what it does put an emphasis on, you know, if you're taking a guy out of the box, that's one fewer blitzer, one fewer stunter that, that can kind of influence pressure wise. So you kind of got to win with the four or five guys that you have up front, and that's Basically, it. The one thing that does hurt Green Bay is cornerback is a weird situation. Eric Stokes was supposed to start last week and he went up for a ball in pregame, came down weird. He didn't end up playing at all, even after he was announced as an active Mm. for the game. So he was just on the sideline. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how he plays. Uh, LaFleur said, you know, it's not a uh, long term injury in his opinion, but he's not a doctor, and we'll see how it goes through the rest of the week. The other one is Kenny Clark, um, you know, Pro Bowl caliber nose tackle, can rush the passer as a pro bowler at 330 pounds. Um, He has a back injury, and he's kind of in the same type of spot, too. And Dean Lowry, who's kind of their other pass-rushing defensive lineman, was on a pitch count last week with a hamstring injury. Kiki Kingsley, the third interior defensive lineman, is still out with a concussion. He didn't practice at all last week after getting that concussion against Arizona. And then Tyler Lancaster, who's their fourth guy, ended up getting banged up. So their fifth Interior defensive lineman T.J. Slayton, a fifth round rookie out of Florida, played more snaps last week than he had played the rest of the season combined. So in terms of just numbers wise, like interior defensive line is a spot where Green Bay might be a little bit weaker. And we're talking about this on a Tuesday. So who knows how the injury report plays out through, you know, Friday or Saturday, but it's not looking great as of now. In terms
0: of some of the other guys on defense, who are the Seahawks going to need to watch out for?
1: Devondre Campbell was a pro bowl linebacker and he really might be the best inside linebacker, you know, in the NFL this year. It's crazy. Um, one, one thing Green Bay does that's kind of unique. So like, I feel like most fans know what a nickel defense is at this point, right? If you, Hey, you take out someone from the box, you put in an extra cornerback, he covers the slot. Well, Green Bay does that, but they don't play the box the same way that everyone else does where everyone kind of thinks of the nickel, box as you know two stack linebackers two edge rushers two interior guys what green bay does they'll play one linebacker and then they'll have three defensive tackles in front of them with those two edge guys so they'll Hmm. have just five guys on the line of scrimmage head on you know basically on top of each offensive lineman and then devondre campbell's just playing sideline to sideline and he's been great at that this season
0: yeah that's interesting and you brought up eric stokes i'm curious about how he's done this year because he's the first round pick out of georgia
1: right so I, I actually think their cornerbacks have actually been playing pretty good. They don't put a ton Whoa, of I've to never light.
0: heard the Packers fans say that before.
1: Look, between that and the linebacker, I'm, I'm very surprised. I mean, that Chiefs game is like the first time I've ever seen a Packers game where their offense can't get going, and their linebacker play is basically keeping them in the game. I'm not used to this. It's yeah. been like three <laughs> decades of me watching Packers football. I'm not used to it at all. Um, cornerback-wise, they've been pretty solid. Rasul Douglas. You know, had that huge game against the Arizona Cardinals where he ended it against the, you know the, the team he was in camp with in the summer. Um Kevin King, the last two games that he's been active, he missed a couple games because of a shoulder and then a back injury uh against the Bengals. And then last week he probably played some of the best games of his career. And then obviously Eric Stokes has done a pretty good job. He's just so athletic. I mean, that that's the big thing with him. It's you could see him just he'll he'll lose, you know, he'll be in press coverage and like man or something like that. And he'll lose off of the line and you're like, oh, this is going for a touchdown. And then he has like wide receiver makeup speed where he's chasing down these, you know, pro bowl wide receivers, Uh, you know, they're wide open, you know, two seconds into the play. And then within four seconds into the play, the, the gap is just narrowed and he's able to make a play on the ball. So if he's able to play, he's probably the fastest player on the team, you know, any position.
0: So let's go back over to offense, and I want to say, let, let's let say for the sake of argument that Aaron Rodgers, that one, he can't clear whatever one hurdle that he needs to to make it on the field. How concerned are you with Jordan Love going into this game with just his second start?
1: Pretty pretty worried. I mean, he, he, he wasn't very good last week. Um, the game plan almost certainly would change. I would say like if love is starting, it's gonna look a lot more like the second half than the first half. Like I don't, I don't think they're gonna be willing to just like allow Jordan Love to throw off of his back foot with seven guys coming out of his face when they can only block five. I I don't think that's a winning you know, game for plan. a guy I think, though
0: that can throw off his back foot. He he has some pretty nice throws off his back foot.
1: Like, yeah, there and a couple of some... I was impressed by. He can make some plays with his legs too. I mean, he was running for his life at times, and he was able to survive it a little bit. I mean, the game was. If it wasn't for special teams, Green Bay probably actually does win that game just in terms of you look at how many points those special teams swung everything, you know, just as a collective, well, especially unit. early but,
0: on, even with the field goals. They, they're they're just in the game for a lot longer rather than having to climb back in after being down two scores.
1: Right. I I think what you would see is, man, quick game RPOs, because if, if you're going to blitz him and I would assume that that would be the Seahawks plan, right? You watch the Kansas City game and you say, hey. This guy doesn't know what to do when there's, like, seven guys blitzing. If they're willing to take shot plays, he can't complete them. Let's make them do that, right? So I I would think Green Bay's plan would basically be to kind of change their uh, what tool out of the toolbox they use, basically. So I would assume a lot more quick game, a lot more runs. It, It was kind of weird that they didn't run as much as you would kind of expect for a team to have a backup in and it's a tight game.
0: Yeah. Especially against the chiefs was weird. Now against the Seahawks, I think it would be tough because they actually do have a pretty stout run defense. So I, I, but I, I also don't know the strength of the, uh, the offensive line. Now you mentioned the one guard who struggles in, in pass protection a little bit, but uh, in terms of the run game, how's the offensive line been
1: real good. I mean, all, all the guys who have played are, Long-term starters, I would say, like none of them are going to get replaced by some guy that they draft next year or something. Uh, Bakhtiari might be able to come off of the physically unable to perform list and play this week. Uh, Green Bay does have to activate him, so they're going to make some sort of move on the fifty-three. But the the question hasn't been answered whether he will or won't play. You know, when when he comes off. So if he does come off and he does play, then Newman, the guy that I said. You know, it's kind of the marked man will then move to the bench, I would assume. Um, but if not, I, I would say four of the five up front are very good in terms of run blocking, pass blocking. And then Mercedes Lewis, what, what really hurt them at tight end was the injury of Robert Tunyon. I mean, they, they can't replace what he was able to do on third down. On third down, they don't have tight ends who can get open anymore. But Mercedes Lewis, in terms of run game, I mean, he's, he's one of the best in the league. Uh, he, he's an old man you know, he doesn't get very many passes. He takes a day off every single week just to keep his kind of legs fresh. But uh, in the run game, man, he'll just go after it with some of these defensive ends. And uh, Dominique Daphne, who's kind of more of like a, a fullback build, uh, kind of does the same type of things as him. And it's it's really fun to watch some of these guys. I mean, between the big body wide receivers that we already talked about and then these tight ends who are Really like one first tight ends. I mean, they can really knock guys off of the line of scrimmage. I have to say, I'm
0: I'm hopeful that we don't get beat by tight ends based on what you're saying. But I also know that Devontae Adams will just go off. I, I feel like he, for whatever reason, there's one guy that other than Aaron Rodgers that you need to stop on the Packers. But I, I don't know how Devontae Adams consistently gets open and is just crushing the Seahawks defense every time these two teams play.
1: Well, the Packers really forced the issue, too, with the way, you know, at least when Rodgers was in there, right? They they run those RPOs and those package plays where they make you shade over to Devontae's side no matter what. No matter what. Like, you could watch uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers game, and, you know, at the end, when they had the lead and they were trying to clinch the game, essentially, but it was still a live game. They would line up three tight ends opposite of Devontae Adams and basically say, are you adjusting to the three tight ends? Or are you adjusting to Devontae Adams? And if you adjust to the tight ends, we're throwing to Devontae one-on-one. And if you adjust to Devontae, okay, then we're running it up your ass with, with uh, behind these tight ends. So it, it is kind of an interesting way to play football, and I don't think anyone is as scheme-reliant as they are. You, you don't think of the Packers as like a downfield RPO team as much as like a screen RPO team with the way that they play. Like they're not running RPO slants or anything like that, like when Carson Wentz was with the Eagles and stuff like that during – 2016 when he was like a borderline mvp type of guy really what they do is they just make you check in every situation they'll move him around he'll be you know the number one the number two the number three to the trip side he'll be you know the x isolated by himself on the back side of runs no matter what you do you got to like shade over Devonte because if not they always have an option to get the ball in his hand and when he has the ball in his hand he runs tough i mean he's it's almost like a running back once mm-hmm. he gets to it it's just the handoff is a longer handoff and he's getting the ball outside of the numbers. It's kind of a weird way to play football and you don't really see it at the NFL level as much as you see in like college or like high school, but it's working for him.
0: It's going to be another interesting game where we see how the Seahawks try and defend uh, against him getting the ball, especially if Aaron Rodgers is in this game. Well, the one other receiver I am really interested to see if he's on the field uh, for either of these two teams, Odell Beckham Jr. Because on Tuesday, I felt like it was, gosh, uh, the Packers and the Seahawks. Well, first on Sunday, Mike Florio on uh, the, the pregame show for Sunday Night Football said that the Seahawks were the team that uh, OBJ wanted to go to. Then on Tuesday, we hear from Jordan Schultz tweeting out that the Packers are uh, his number one destination if he were to clear waivers. Now, it's a bit suspicious to me that the Seahawks are the potential playoff team with enough cap space to uh, bring him on uh, if he were to be picked up off waivers and then with the Packers being the next opponent I, I almost felt like there was some kind of pressure situation going on there in the background but uh, is there any kind of consensus that you sense from Packers fans on, on bringing in Beckham
1: I think they would like it I mean we've already gone through a circus right so if he's a clown let's make it a circus right if life gives you lemons make lemonade at this point so I think Packers fans just kind of want to ring um I did think it was interesting the Seahawks didn't put in a waiver claim because you would think, you know, after they restructured his deal that the the purpose of that would be so that someone would pick up his claim and the the Browns wouldn't have to, you know, pay as much of a salary. I I would think that's why the Browns were trying to make that move in the first place. So, you know, the Seahawks and the Chargers were the only teams, I, I guess the Bengals too, are the only teams that like you could call like playoff contenders who would have enough money to be able to make that move. And we already heard the report that, you know, OBJ was willing to make a mess if uh, someone else put in a claim for him. So it'd be interesting to see if he would be able to kind of turn key and be able to get in on like a, a Wednesday and be able to play on a Sunday. That seems a little bit tougher at wide receiver than it would be like, you know, on the line of scrimmage on defense or something like that, in terms of like just the verbiage you would have to learn in the playbook. Uh, we we You see a lot with, uh, you know, pass rushers that are usually able to play at least, you know, pressure packages uh yeah. within that week just because hey what do you do as a pass rusher you get after the quarterback you line up in the C gap you get after yeah. the quarterback or
0: adrian peterson just hand him the ball and he goes right
1: all right and then wide receiver it's all these words about you know where you line up exactly what you know the route conversions are and stuff like that so it'll be interesting to see if you know he suits up for either of these teams I would think that he would probably need a week to practice, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah, we'll find
0: out. And and I suppose there's some other teams out there that he could go to, too. But uh, it just kind of, yeah, I, I thought it was kind of wild that it's these two teams that really are kind of the two contenders. And I was a little bit surprised they didn't put in a claim. But in some regards, too, I feel like that with Seattle, they they want players who want to be there. And what better way, way to demonstrate that you want to be there is to make it all the way through waivers and then uh, then say that you want to come there. And I, I suppose maybe they're looking at saving a little bit under the cap, too, but they have plenty of room in cap space to be able to bring him in. So, you know, if, yeah, for, if,
1: for who, for what? It's November 9th right now. You right. know, uh, Pete, Pete Carroll, too, was kind of coy about answering the question at the presser and. You hear the reports, you know, Russell Wilson is campaigning for them to put in a bid for him, so. Yeah,
0: well, he was campaigning. Gosh, you know, every time there's a a star receiver, he's campaigning to bring him in. So I think it makes a ton of sense to do it. And I'm I'm not even, in terms of, I mean, Antonio Brown was a a bigger circus, uh, I feel like, than OBJ would be, but. For sure. I mean, just in terms of, like, criminal, like,
1: Obj hasn't yeah, done anything. He doesn't have criminal, any legal you know?
0: issues hanging over him right now.
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, he, Obj's a knucklehead every once in a while. That's very different than like criminal charges. Yeah, you he'll, know? Kiss, so. he'll
0: kiss the the what or hug on the uh, what was it? The kicker's kicking net. Uh a
1: kicking <laughs> net. Yeah.
0: He's Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Company. I'm not going to have you make a prediction, Justice, because I, I think there's just there's too much that is up in the air with with Aaron Rodgers' status. I I think we just say going into this game. Uh, that, uh, yeah, we we hope that uh, we're hoping for a win from the Seahawks. You and I can agree on that. And that's all we need to say.
1: <laughs> I need that damn one seed. I need a ring.
0: And Justice, if people want to find you, if they want to tune in to your podcast coming into this game, where do they go? Check it out. I know you got some great articles up at Acme Packing Company right now, too.
1: Yeah, just type in, you know, Acme Packing Company to anywhere you find podcasts. You know, we're going to be breaking down this game all week. Uh, if you want to follow, you know, my Twitter, it's at J-U-M-O-S-Q. Uh, if you want to keep up with, you know, the Packers injury reports and stuff like that, we'll have that on Acme Packing Company, too. So uh, that that's pretty much where you can find me this week.
0: Justice, really appreciate you coming on. Once again, check out the Acme Packing Company. Check out Justice on his podcast there. You can subscribe to all the SB Nation podcasts at sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts. And be sure and check out FieldGoals.com. It is Wednesday, so we are hopefully going to have an answer at some point today. Although I did see a tweet from Diana Russini of ESPN saying that Odell Beckham Jr. is honing in on the Chiefs, Packers, and Saints per league sources. So not the Seahawks on that list, but we will see. We'll be following along. FieldGoals.com will have the article there for you so you can react after the news happens. And I will be right back here with Clinton Bonner and Phil Leidick doing a three in three out. What if preview coming up so we can talk about it then as well. And until next time, go Hawks.